All right, we have a great episode of Side Retired, the MLB podcast coming at you guys today. Clem of Barstool will be joining us, so we're going to have a lot of fun talking Mets baseball today. So let's hit the intro music and we will get right into this. Hello and welcome to today's edition of Side Retired, the MLB podcast. It is Dylan joined alongside James and Matt as always. And as we just said, a special guest is with us today, Clem of Barstool. So before we introduce our special guest, James, how are you doing today, knowing that this is going to be a pretty Met-heavy episode? Uh, Yeah, doing well. Um, You know, got some fresh fresh Mets-Yankees kind of news drama that just came out, uh, you know, regarding a scandal of some sort, kind of kind of confused, not Sounds like it's just baseball trying to create a story during during these kind of dry off season days early on, uh, but yeah, I'm excited to talk talk with Clem. And Potter, you've been off for a bit, so how are you doing? It's been a while. Yeah, it's good to be back. Some snow on the grounds. So it's a little weird talking about baseball right now, but it's good to think of uh, warmer days in in a few months. So happy to be back. Happy to happy to have Clem on. And obviously our guest of the day, who you're all probably looking forward to hearing to, is Clem. Clem, how are you doing today now that it is the offseason? We're waiting for the shoe to drop something to happen. Fun times. I'm doing great. Yeah, fun times. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's exciting. Uh, it's the, like, I consider this the second true offseason of Uncle Stevie. So <laughs> the last offseason, I went in with the Wilponian mindset where uh, we were doing our, uh, kind of like our wish list going into the off season and Starling Marte and Max Scherzer didn't even make my wish list. Cause I was like, well, that's just not going to happen. We're, you know, and we're looking through like the bargain bins or the second tier players. And then obviously the entire uh, franchise changed last year, which uh, I saw someone uh, retweeted a week from today when we were t- recording this. So November 24th was the uncle Stevie t- tweet about, I am never in my life have I been so upset by such unprofessional behavior with the whole Steven Matz and his agent nonsense, which I am uh, attributing to the reason we had that spending spree. And Phil, you reminded me before we went live that uh, by this, at this uh, last year's off season, we had the lockout coming. So a lot of guys were looking to get their contracts in. So we did have like an awesome spending spree right before everything just went dark again. So I am pretty happy. Uh, I, I'm happy that we're in the off season, but I'm also like a little, I have like anxiousness. I'm a little nervous. I don't even know when the winter meetings are this year, but I feel like that's when a lot of stuff gets cooking, but we already had Scott Boris giving us, you know, crazy soliloquies and, and whatnot. So it just feels good to be back. And it feels good that uh, we have a team that's going to spend money. What a concept, right? A big market team that spends money. Yeah, so I guess uh, with that, we can lead into the Mets just locking down Edwin Diaz for five more seasons. You know, uh, I guess you can give us your take on that and how you feel about yeah. uh, the first big move for y'all this offseason. Yeah, so uh, Diaz, Edwin Diaz signs, uh, biggest deal for a reliever in MLB history. And you have Mets fans celebrating and then a bunch of and then a bunch of not Mets fans telling me it's an overpay. <laughs> However, if Edwin Diaz had went to the Dodgers and signed that same exact deal, there wouldn't have been one word about an overpay. So I'm just learning that we're going to be like what, the Mets will be able to spend like the Dodgers, but they will not get the benefit of the doubt like the Dodgers. So that's kind of just the world we're living in. However, all the Mets fans on this podcast and all the Mets fans listening know, Edwin Diaz 
did one thing that I've never seen anyone do in all my years of baseball. He made the ninth inning a place of happiness for Mets fans. Yankee fans know what that was like. I knew it <laughs> as someone that rooted against the Yankees my old childhood knew it was like because Mariano Rivera was that. Uh, so Edwin Diaz, if he's if that $100 million or whatever it is, is just because of this one season, fine. I don't care. The trumpets were fun. We all had a blast. Everything was gravy. So uh and then there's also the very good chance that he's just going to be a, an awesome closer for at least a good chunk of the deal. 2019, we know uh, Manfred changed the balls. We know that if you look at everyone's baseball reference page, everything just spikes in 2019 because it was a goddamn disaster because uh, Major League Baseball doesn't know how to, you know, uh, they're just kind of, they're <laughs> having a little bit of fun with the balls. We'll just leave it at that. So I am I'm stoked. And it also was kind of like a all right, we're not going to lose our entire team this offseason because we have so many free agents, uh, you know, potentially coming off the books. So I, I was very excited, happy, and then also had to, like, have people try to bring me down and tell me as a Mets fan I'm not allowed to enjoy baseball like the other 29 fan bases are. So it was a good uh, introduction back into the offseason. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, I've seen a couple people on Twitter saying, oh, what about DeGrom? You know, why is DeGrom warranting this kind of money? Um, and then I've, I saw some replies, and it's like, well, I mean, who cares if DeGrom gets that money and goes out and throws seven scoreless? We don't have the guy guys on the back end to really get the job done. And I think Diaz is a lot more important because, I, I mean, like you said, once you have those leads, Mets fans can sit back and relax and, and know the ninth inning is going to be locked down, uh, especially with the way he pitched this past season. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I can, you just I don't even want to do it to, to everyone here, but I'm going to do it. Armando Benitez. K-Rod, you know, wait, you know, this is not K-Rod with the Angels. We're doing uh, Braden Looper. It's like, you guys want to go Bobby Parnell. We'll go through the whole horror list of names. Javis Familia. It's like everything is there. Edwin Diaz got rid of all those monsters for at least a year. And Jake is going to require a whole other, you know, boatload of money from Uncle Stevie. But this was also a reminder. If a guy leaves the Mets, it's because the Mets didn't want him or he didn't want to come to the Mets. Money is no longer an issue. I'm sure the money that's being offered to Jacob DeGrom is going to match dollar for dollar, if not exceed the dollars. But if Jacob DeGrom is like, listen, guys, I was in the I was with the Mets. I've lived through the dark times here and I just want a fresh start. I can't even get upset about that. I'll be like bummed, but I can't fault him for that at all. So this this was just another reminder, like the Scherzer deal, the Marte deal, and all the other deals of the last offseason. Money isn't going to be an issue. It's just all the other sides of being a, the Mets that could be the issue. <laughs> and then I guess we can get into Jake because that's obviously probably a big question on people's minds. And that I guess when you're thinking about it, who are the teams that might actually, I know there's the whole report about the Braves, but then it sort of, I forget who it was, but someone refuted that the Braves might not actually be interested or giving them a max contract. Obviously, there's the rumors about the Texas Rangers, but who else could even offer him a big deal in theory? That's the other thing, too. So you're saying you have to think, let's think about baseball here. How many teams actually are willing to spend money? I mean, that, that's all they were mm -hmm. arguing about last year was no one wanted to spend money than like three teams. They were kicking and screaming until they got the uncle Stevie tax in. <laughs> it sounds like it's like the Rangers are kind of the big, um, the, the 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 big bad on the other side of the table from us mm -hmm. and it doesn't it feel like it's always a texas team somewhere <laughs> in the mix right you know, like uh a rod once upon a time i mean shoot back when i was like your guy's age that's when he signed with the rangers and, and they blew everyone out of the water and i feel like there's always money in texas uh if the braves aren't going to be an issue which again i've heard the same thing um it's like he's a Florida guy. So you're thinking ge geographically mm -hmm. and the Braves are not part of it. 
I guess Texas does make sense. Um, he doesn't strike me as a guy that would do like a, I'm going to go to the Astros now and cash uh-huh. him. Right. Does he seem like that to you? Like, especially after, as they come off a world series championship, unless he just wants to ring and, you know, do the Kevin Durant <laughs> with the warriors. Right. Like that would be the closest thing you could say, like a guy who kind of wasted a little bit of his prime with a team that never won goes to a team with a title and, you know, just an absolute machine. I guess that could be the other one, but I, I don't though. The Astros just have so much money. Mm. They're letting Verlander leave. So uh, then there's a question. Does Verlander come here to replace Jake? <laughs> there's so much stuff. Man. I'm getting dizzy <laughs> just thinking about it. What about you? Do you, is there anyone you think? Well, I think there's a chance maybe San Francisco, if they lose Rodon, maybe mm. as a replacement there. I think the same thing with, if he doesn't want to go to Houston, probably not Dodgers either. But just because big city. I assume that's maybe the reason why he'd want to leave New York if he wants to leave New York type of thing. So why would he go L.A. then? But yeah, it's sort of an interesting who has the ability to do forty five million dollars a year. And that list dwindles down pretty quickly. Yeah. And the thing with the Giants, which a lot of people don't think it's San Francisco like it, but, you know, that is, you know, tech land and they have to keep up with the Dodgers. And now the Padres who Mm -hmm. decided to spend all this money on their way to one hitting us in game three of the wild card round. So it's like they have a little bit of success and they have to kind of keep up with the Joneses there. And then if they lose, we're gone, like you said. Uh, But it would just feel weird if Jake went to Mm -hmm. the West Coast. But at this point, if Jake was just like, no, you know, you can have (laughs) – you could just have a bad experience somewhere and it's like, mm. no matter how much I want to go back, even this year, like I don't, I, a lot of this stuff, I know they said that the reason Max started game one was because they could, they knew they could potentially use them on short rest if they made it to the mm. NLDS and whatever, but it had to hurt Jake a little bit that they yeah. just, you know, he didn't get the ball game one, his team, he went out and he performed and he didn't have his great stuff that night of game two, but he mm-hmm. still does, uh, did what Jake does in the playoffs. So, uh, Man, it just I, I I mean, Mets fans, we've heard this a million times. I didn't like I didn't really live through. I definitely didn't live through the Tom Seaver when he left the Mets. But you just hear that story of how it was like the darkest day in franchise history. Then Doc leaves. He goes, ends up going to the Yankees down the road, throws the no hitter. And it's like to then lose Jake on top of that. And you have three, your three best pitchers in franchise history all go and leave you, you know, and then, I mean, the Nolan Ryan thing is a whole other (laughs) ordeal because he was like a baby when he got traded away or whatever. Um, It would just like, I think I don't, again, I think Cohen will go above and beyond to keep Jake, but Jake has to sign his name on the bottom yeah. line. It's like, you can't just keep throwing money at the guy until the guy has no choice. And he's like a hostage. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm praying that that's the case. I'm, I'm on, I'm also on the record. Like it's not my money. If it comes to me, if it trickles down to me and the tickets and the hot dogs <laughs> and whatever, I'll pay it. Uh-huh. I don't want to see Jacob DeGrom wearing another jersey. I'm at that point. I know he has his injury issues. I know he is, you know, uh, he kind of has driven us crazy with that and he's getting older, but this is a luxury. He would be a luxury item to go along with everything else that we're going to probably address this offseason. I do not want to see Jacob DeGrom anywhere else because it'll make me very sad, let alone the Braves, which is a whole other ordeal. <laughs> but God, like, God bless any of those reports that are saying, you know, the Braves may not be, which again, like the Braves, of course, have money. I think they have their entire roster locked up for like 30 bucks because those guys <laughs> keep taking those those deals off their rookie contracts for like pennies on the dollar. It's crazy. It's crazy. I, you just alluded to it with the injuries, but if you're another team, if you're not the Mets, are you a little bit concerned giving him as much as he's looking for because of all those injuries? That's a great point too, because yeah, I, I think if the I think the Mets 
are one of the teams too that can kind of eat a mistake. Like if Jake ends up getting hurt and that 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 salary is just on the books, people forget. We thought Robinson Cano was going to be like just an anchor on this team for years. I forgot he was on the team. Like going, he's still on the books right now. And it's like, eh, whatever. And that would just like, that, that could cripple some of these teams the way they run their books and stuff like that. So once Cano comes off the books, which I can't believe I'm saying. <laughs> and then if Jake comes and God forbid, you know, whatever injuries he's had, which have been the, I feel like it's a good thing that it's kind of been scattered around. It's mm-hmm. not just one issue. It's not like he has a bad elbow, a bad shoulder. It's kind of been, and he also has developed this, like he's become a mutant basically. <laughs> so it might just be, as to stop throwing 102 miles per hour, every pitch uh, because of that. I do feel like that, that actually is a, is a benefit for the Mets is that they can eat their mistakes and kind of erase them. I remember back in the, I guess it was the two thousands when the Yankees would have Pavano and Kiyagawa and they would just ship them out and you would never hear from them again. And they're just sitting on their books, but then going into the off season, Yankees are being involved with all these big names. And I think the Mets are kind of in that boat now. So uh, I don't like comparing my team to the New York Yankees, but <laughs> when it comes to spending money, that's one thing I, I'll be very happy to do. And the interesting thing is people saying, Oh, I don't want to pay to Grom because of the injury history. But then they say, but I'll sign Justin Verlander coming off of Tommy John surgery. And I believe 40, 41 years old. And it's like, you're going to give him three years, but you won't give DeGrom, who's a couple years younger, and probably a similar AV. I know the rumor is that he wants Scherzer money, I think, both of them. So it'll be interesting to see the difference of those two guys' contracts. And he means so much more to this fan base. Yeah. Uh, it's... I'm like getting like bummed <laughs> thinking about it, but he was my guy early on in this. And I'm not going to like act like I knew this was coming. Mm-hmm. I didn't, but there was just always something about Jake. It was like, you loved Harvey and he was kind of the rebirth of the franchise. And, you know, Matt's was the lefty that we thought was going to pan out. Wheeler was the guy we could feel like we stole from the giants because we gave like a late career Beltron to them in exchange. But I don't know. There was just something about Jake. I just always loved him. His like demeanor, his quietness about it. The simple man. Right. I mean, just yeah. like the song. And to just lose him when we have this money and it would just be uh it would just be like gutting. However, again, I do not think there's a chance in heck that Uncle Stevie's gonna let this guy <laughs> just walk away without offering him like a 10% raise on what everyone else has. And it, you know, he's a guy who knows money too. Like he'll understand the taxes and all the other stuff that this, the business reporters will get to. And at the end of the day, like, I just think Jacob deGrom, there's more long-term benefits to being a Met for life than there is going to Texas and getting some more money for the next three, five years, whatever it may be. I just, again, it, it, it but it would also be so Mets. That's mm-hmm. the, like, I think all three <laughs> of us can agree, right? Like this whole year, 101 wins, we were cruising, we were feeling good. But then at the t- at the end of it all, it did have like the oh this is the Mets against feeling to us mm-hmm. as they were getting one hit in game three of the wild card as Mr. Mets playing in Edwin Diaz on the trumpet as we're you know just getting like our guts ripped out in slow motion so at the same point like I say all this and then I'm like oh yeah I still root for the <laughs> same dumb team that drives me crazy every year of course all right so if we shift gears now to another guy who's been kind of like a franchise player at this point I feel like I don't know if you guys feel the same way but Brandon Nemo this guy is going to be worth a lot of money in free agency this year. Is he worth like? Obviously, you don't feel the same kind of allegiance to him as you do to Jake, because Jake is Jake. But would it would it kill you to see him in another in another uniform? And and how much is he worth? Would you say? I guess that. So yeah, kill it wouldn't kill. It would hurt. I 
I also have to admit, this is, I think we all have our like takes that we stand on and we're all proud of them and whatever. I was early on the defending Brandon Nimmo train and it was more so, it wasn't like I was like always believed in him. It was like everyone was so anti Nimmo, mm-hmm. at least on my podcast, a couple of the guys I work with on the We Gotta Bleed podcast, they were anti Nimmo. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take the contrarian and I'm going <laughs> to go back at you guys. And listen, the defense was a disaster, but we also heard they were playing him too close. The, the the way they didn't they didn't uh, allow him to really transition the center field role because again we were run by idiots at the time <laughs> from you know ownership on down. Once we got people with brains in, look how well he played. Now, granted, franchise uh, contract year and all that stuff. Uh, I don't know the numbers. I know it's like five year one twenty or something being floated around. Boris is his agent, all that kind of stuff. He's a Met. He's come up a Met. I remember when he was drafted and it was like he had like six people in his high school. He was like traveling to other states just to, to have enough people to play a baseball game or something like that. Uh the one th- the one good thing about if Nimmo were to leave is I do feel like the way the team is set up, you could move Marte to center if you had to. And then right field becomes a little bit easier to fill than finding a center fielder on the market and stuff like that. I also think that's the thing people are forgetting about in free agency in general is it's not just free agency, but you could take a guy who a team is like, I don't, I mean, Nolan Arenado was given away for a song, right? (laughs) Mookie Betts once upon a time was given away for not his value because of the money he was going to make and then got, you know, Arenado with the money he was making and no trade clauses in this kind of stuff. So I do feel like it'll be easier to fill a Nimmo hole than a Jake hole by far. And in terms of like the emotions of it all, again, I would say Nimmo BP getting on base was the biggest thing. And then he became even better than I could have ever imagined this year. I, I think we could all agree turning on the game at seven ten, Nimmo comes up and it's, you know, 10 pitch at bat every single time, whether he gets on base or he doesn't, you're like, all right, and we're off. And then by the time you look up at the end of the first inning, runs or no runs, 25 pitches for the starting pitcher at the end of the first. And you just felt great that like this offense is starting to grind and, and go and losing Nemo at the top would really kind of hamstring you unless you got a similar batter. So it would hurt. Uh, Again, the money thing, I just have a hard time thinking Uncle Steve is going to be like, no, we, we don't want to go over the tax here. Uh, it, it just will kill me that it feels, again, very messy that Nimmo <laughs> will get paid and then he just be, you know, out for the season after like the first week because of some, you know, some uh, soft <laughs> tissue injury popped up on him. Mm-hmm. Can't forget about those hard 90s either after those walks. Gotta love that. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me throw out a name that maybe could replace him. Michael Conforto. Are you like, are you like an F Conforto guy? Or are you like a. No, very much not. Um, I almost brought him up too. And I was saying right field. Cause it, it would just us. Met fans, <laughs> we just are like this. We, we People were asking for Bartolo last year. We're still like <laughs> hung up on Bartolo. It's like the ex-girlfriend that got away. Um, I am not an F Conforto guy. I will say like the fact nobody touched him with that shoulder is very concerning. So. I don't know if I'd want him to be the – if if they wanted to make him and someone else and be like, all right, if one of these guys, two guys pan out, will be money, um, I'd be fine with that. I feel like we have uh, – as much as I love my guy Vogelback, it's not like he's going to be the everyday DH as it is. So if he did Conforto and maybe a righty um, to fill right field and then DH, if they, if everything checked out with Conforto, uh, I, I, I'd welcome him back with open arms. I love Michael Conforto. I And the – 
a lot of the stuff that I think hurt him when he got hurt that last year, when he was swinging, hurt his shoulder, I think he came back too soon. Cause again, mm-hmm. we had the Wilpon zone in the team. And then he had like an awful beginning of the season. Like anyone would who's playing hurt with a bad shoulder. And then, you know, he slowly came around and then everything was good by the end of last year or two years ago. And then obviously uh, <laughs> Mets happened, Mets things happened to him. So I would, I would welcome him back with open arms he he's just the kind of player that he gets streaky. So he drives people crazy. I mean, look at Escobar. If Escobar mm-hmm. started the way he finished and then finished the way he started, everyone would have a different take on him from the season, but he was, you know, Arigato, Mr. Escobar by the end of the year. So uh, what about you guys? Are you guys uh, pro Conforto, anti Conforto in general or bringing him back? Uh, so Conforto is a way different case than a guy like Cespedes, right? Like the guys, the guy's a gamer, the guy's a baseball player. Like, yeah. I'd be willing to pay him, but there was just so much drama. I felt like with him kind of going into the season, I don't know. I I, I wouldn't be upset if he came back. I'm not. I'm not. I, I was also very pro Yoan Cespedes, but mm-hmm. I think it's it's kind of a different case in the sense that you know he's a, he's through and through a baseball player. Cespedes is kind of an actor. <laughs> well, the thing is, both I think Nimmo and Conforto are represented by Boris, so that conversation has yep. to be an interesting situation mm-hmm. where all of a sudden the Mets say, "So how about Conforto instead of Nimmo?" Uh, the interesting would then be, does Conforto play right? That means Marte goes to center. Or is there still this scenario where Beatty's the third baseman, Escobar is the second baseman, McNeil is in right field. So it's, I think this goes to show what the team was last year, where there's a lot of defensive versatility. This is where Guillaume comes into play. Escobar comes into play. Marcan, I guess, is still the everyday left fielder unless they upgrade there. I know there's also a name we haven't mentioned him yet that your buddy Frank the Tank probably mentions on a daily basis as the future center fielder of the New York Mets, Mr. Darren Ruff, because Darren Ruff is going to play everywhere. But um, there's a lot of moving pieces on the Mets that it seems like all together, if they have a good one through 13 position players on the roster, it could work out type of thing. Yeah, McNeil is like that beautiful wild card that kind of makes everything go right and click together. And I would be that's the thing about McNeil, man. I mean, he could have been a gold glover this year. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy. Uh so I, I I'd like McNeil to be an option for right. I wouldn't want him because then I think if you if you plan him in right, then you're losing him at second. And then if something happens in the infield, you're kind of mm-hmm. having to, you know, fit uh square pieces into round holes and stuff like that. Uh, Darren, Darren Ruff is going to have like the hottest April for another <laughs> team because he's so due. He was so like good for what he was, and then he was so 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 bad. He did get on base twice in the wild card mm-hmm. game, too, right? Which was, I think, I hit by a pitch and like a walk when the guy just completely lost his own. Um, but I thought you were going to say the big guy in the Bronx. That's who I thought you were uh, you were alluding to there, which caused a whole bunch of drama. Andy Martino, you know, Yankee fans have loved Andy Martino for a long time because he drives us crazy. Now they're getting dragged into the market. It's fun when Andy Martino starts messing with you guys and gets you guys in trouble too, right? So, uh, yeah, I, 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 that's a great point though. McNeil does give them a little bit of versatility. Canna could also then become a DH if you find a left fielder and you want to shift him out. I will say this about Conforto. Always love Conforto, but his arm has always driven me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Having Marte's arm and right was something that was such a um luxury. And Nimmo is by no means like has a cannon, you know, as compared because you're basically swapping him out for Conforto between the center and right there. But at the same point, like Conforto just threw those lollipops, and I couldn't tell you how many times. <laughs> Where like the game winning run would end up scoring because Conforto just couldn't get a guy out. So as much as I love Mike, I think I'd be 
I think I'd be all right with <laughs> he can he can fight for DH, but if, if they do resign him, the first thing I'm gonna think of is oh my god, seventh inning, high <laughs> game, you know, sacrifice fly with one out, and I'm just being like, Well, that runs as good as in Marte. When we lost Marte, everything fell apart. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we can all agree on that after the season. So uh yeah, the outfield is definitely but I mean look at this. This these are such small problems compared to what we were dealing with last year, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's crazy. 101 wins um and, and trying to sign our own guys. Oh, I also oh yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, Bob. just talking about Marte. Like my seats at City Field are in right field, and that guy is just so fun to watch play baseball. Like, that's the type of guy that the Mets should and usually do kind of keep around. Like I, 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 I'm a huge fan of his. And I think that, you know, he's, he should be a Met for, for the rest of his career. In my opinion, I think he's, he's just fantastic to watch. Yeah, me too. And I didn't know a ton about him, but every, uh, every fan that I knew that was an American league fan of an American league team, everyone was like, Oh, Marte, like, what a signing you guys are going to love him and every time he'd have a great play i'd see them on twitter being like starling marte is such a good <laughs> baseball player and that that is a guy we wouldn't have signed with the will ponds right we would have he would have been like the, he was the best available option for his position the the will ponds would have scrolled down about seven more spaces on the list <laughs> and that's where the negotiations would have begun with like the eighth best center uh outfielder uh who could play center potentially and it's just it's crazy how much things have changed. And yeah, now we are at the point where you could just keep a guy like that around for as long as you think. He, and, you know, he's a little older and has had some injury issues, which, by the way, it sounds like he had like he had like a core injury they mm-hmm. said, like after the se- season was over. You're like, man, that was pretty bad. Um, but that's the kind of guy that hopefully I know he's getting older and he has the injury issues, but that's a dude that keeps himself in shape. Right. It's mm-hmm. like with yo, you never knew if yo was <laughs> a training extra, you hear he's playing 72 at Beth page black instead of uh, actually being in the cages and stuff like that. Marte doesn't seem like that kind of dude. So uh, I love him. And it seems like everyone, you know, loved him with, with the team. And when he showed up to the all-star game, he's rocking the blazer <laughs> without a shirt. I mean, and like you said, you just watch him at the games and that guy just is fun to watch play baseball. And he played with the broken finger as well through the wild card game yep. without even trying to. I think he got like a couple hits in that series as well, was arguably the best hitter on that postseason three game <laughs> run. But crazy. Yeah. But I know he also provided a bunch of speed, which brings us to the other rumor that has been floated around this offseason so far. And that is the second base potential option in Trey Turner. I know he has played some center in the past. Was there any shot? the Mets and I know there's also the guy in the Bronx that everyone <laughs> wants us to get but I don't know if now us getting in trouble for saying we're not going to get him is going to make Stevie say oh I'll show them that I'm not going to tamper with the Yankees I'll go sign him now and prove it but <laughs> Trey Turner's another name out there do you think either of those two big names could wind up in Queens whether it's Trey or Judge well so the tra- when I saw the Trey uh rumor that was the oh yeah that's right your team is owned by Steve Cohen because that <laughs> felt like the Scherzer where it's like, mm-hmm. I never thought in a million years Scherzer was going to be, I felt like so much of a, like a super luxury item, right? And then I remember this guy spends money on the twig figure that's pointing <laughs> and a shark in formaldehyde. I'm like, oh yeah, he could go out and spend money on a good baseball player that's going to probably end up making him money because he has a good team. Uh, so, and that is when I thought, Trey at second, McNeil and right, take the Nimmo money off the books and everything starts coming together like a little bit of magic. And that's when and Trey Turner, I mean, <laughs> killed us, killed us back in the day. You don't really see a lot of um, everyone hits for power now. At least I've noticed this in fantasy baseball. It's hard to find guys that get steals now because it's become so uh, so much of a power driven league, which I'm sure will change with the shift rules and stuff like that. 
I would welcome Trey Turner with with the openness of arms. I'm saying Conforto, I pushed Conforto aside <laughs> with that arm, and then my arms would be open for my baby boy Trey to come home to me. Um, and I did you guys see the video of him where he's like, City Field is my favorite place to play. Mm-hmm. Those the fans and all that. I probably watched it a thousand times just to convince myself this is possible. I would wonder if he would want to not play short. I mm-hmm. do feel like playing short, if that's something you want to do or that's your the, the position you feel more comfortable at, obviously he's not going to want to leave. I also feel like playing short is awesome when you're in like Little League because you're the best player by far and they need you to play short. And so then you can get paid like Trey Turner is about to get paid. Trey, you're going to get paid like a shortstop and not have to play shortstop, right? <laughs> and then you are going to have Francisco Lindor playing short as well. And if, God forbid, anything happens to Lindor at some point, we then move Trey. We have Guillaume. We have McNeil. We'll have another outfielder. We can, And this is the kind of roster that I think and hope Epler wants to do, where it's like every guy in fantasy baseball, they have commas in their, in their position. Mm-hmm. Two Bs, comma, three B, comma, OF. Those are the guys that just make the world go around. And I mean, Uncle Stevie talked about it with the Dodgers and like Chris Taylor. You have these guys that can move around. You have Muncie who will play first, will play the outfield and stuff like that. So uh, I, if it was between Trey and Judge, I would go after Trey Mm -hmm. a million times harder just because I do think Judge is older. Is Judge older? I don't even know. I think so. The other day I found out Xander Bogarts is 30 and Judge is 30. And I was like, oh my God. When did Xander Bogarts turn uh 30? He was a he was a baby forever. Yeah, so Trey's 29. He's not that much younger. Um, but I I don't know. It's just you're gonna be in the bidding war with the Yankees. You're coming off like the all-time contract year. I mean, I thought Yo's contract year was the all-time contract <laughs> year. That was the all-time contract year with 62 home runs. Um, then again, I think we could all that I could all agree. Sticking it to the Yankees and sticking it to Andy Martina would be pretty funny. <laughs> Cohen just did that for fun. <laughs> so then, of course, we have also talked about a bunch of reunions that could happen. I guess the last part of the roster we haven't fully discussed yet is the rest of the rotation. So ignoring DeGrom, and then I assume Scherzer's either our one or our two, depending on if Jake comes back. Cookie's officially back. I think that's a $14 million option. They didn't extend Taiwan Walker, the $19 million a qualifying offer mm-hmm. so then there's now this sort of hodgepodge of guys that could be our two to five pitchers david peterson's lurking tyler mcgill is lurking i've made the bold prediction that tyler mcgill is the next jacob de grom who came <laughs> up with zero hype and then is gonna dominate and then he got the opening day start and i was like all right this is the year and then i think he had an area over five this year which definitely <laughs> wasn't jacob de grom asked just yet but sort of how do you think we could fill these rest of the rotations whether it's bring back chris bassett bring back taiwan walker i know um our other co-host james said the Mets should bring back noah Syndergaard, which i don't think oh. there is a chance in the world <laughs> that that happens but how on earth are we filling out the rest of the rotation this is again the cohen Kool-Aid talking <laughs> i think it's jake and I think they're going after Rodon too. I think they're going to mm-hmm. try to, you know, and then you're having that lefty at the top where instead of Peter, and I think Peterson can slide into the five hole, no mm-hmm. problem. Um, but I, as we saw last year, you're going to need more than just five. So the depth is just as important as the top five. I don't think Syndergaard's coming back at all. I think, I, I think some of the guys the Mets did not resign last offseason were done just as much for performance as it was for Clubhouse. And I think he was one of those guys. Uh, and I, 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 the Thor stuff was fun. He drove us nuts. I called him Loki. He was the guy to miss you because you never knew what you were getting from him every single week. And he always messed with our heads. Uh, I do think 
And Taiwan, good for him. I think he's going to get a good contract somewhere. I think Basso will get a good deal somewhere. I think I think they're going to try to do what they did with Taiwan a couple of years ago and take a guy like him who has legit potential, might have missed some time due to injury or something like that. He'll be the you know you get a few of those guys in the five slot who other t- the old Mets would say in the three slot. We throw him a guy like him in the in the five slot with maybe a couple other guys because you're going to need the the depth anyway. I don't think Miguel is going to be in the rotation. I'm a Miguel guy too. I rode with him hard, and I don't. I just I just I think we've seen enough to know. I think he has to be a bullpen guy. Two mm-hmm. years in a row, arm injuries. He was a reliever in college, which I didn't realize. So that kind of um, takes away the whole you know, has to be a starter because that's all he knows. And having a, a arms like that are just as almost just as important as having starter arms as we saw the Astros. Because I know we're all rooting for the Astros this whole postseason, right? And when they had those guys come in with those kind of arms in the bullpen, you're like, all right, we're good. We're in good hands right now. And I, I feel pretty good with McGill, even though he really didn't show it kind of being thrown into the fire at the end of uh, the season this year. So I think, I think we're going to go after, I think I would expect a lot of money for two names at the top of the rotation. And then I think there will be a couple of Taiwan level signings in the back of the rotation, two years, 16 million or whatever it is. And if they pitch well and stay healthy, they'll be able to break the bank. I don't think Bassett comes back. I do think from everything you heard, the um, we interviewed a few Mets this season and, they all like Bassett was the, the common guy who was like in funny stories, keeping the clubhouse loose. I do think that helps his kick cause, but I know he wants to get paid. And I just, I don't think you could pay him after you saw the way he, you know, kind of tapped out at the end there. So uh, that's going to be my prediction. I'm going to say Jake Radon and then uh, Max at the top of the three, just because we're the Mets. We could do this kind of stuff now. <laughs> you mean we're not the Brody Van Wagenen team that signed Rick Porcello, Michael Waka, and Jake Marisnik and said, <laughs> oh. here's your Christmas present, Mets fans? Oh, God. And then it was like the hammer was like, well, don't worry about the bullpen. We have Dylan Batances who's going to take <laughs> care of that for you. Oh, you want another, like, just albatross on the books. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I just want to throw in that I am perfectly fine if we let Taiwan Walker walk. Because that man cannot move off the mound to save his life. He needs if he if he just stood in spring training and got a million PFPs, that would do him any better than their own bullpens. I mean, he, <laughs> he's brutal moving off the mound. Dylan knows this because be firing off in the group chat every time this man couldn't move off the mound. And I I am perfectly as a pitcher myself, I am perfectly fine with seeing with seeing Ty. <laughs> now is there a party that's going to miss him leaving though because it is nice to have someone to bitch about every single time like i i know i was uh, there that was the hardest thing I, I think it was the beginning of this season i'm like i don't even know who i hate right now like eric campbell was everyone's guy for like five years <laughs> running and then he left and and uh you know darren ruff ended become up to coming that guy big time Cano is that guy in the beginning of the year jason bay can't forget about jason bay too. can't forget about jason bay hall of famer for mets complaints the amount of text message they end up with like <laughs> verizon they, they made a billion dollars off just our gripes about him in the past uh so yeah that's there's gonna be there's gonna be a free agent signing or a guy we trade for that's gonna drive us absolutely bananas. Uh, and I don't think it's gonna be Taiwan. So uh, get fire off one more, maybe watch like an old game with Taiwan <laughs> starting and fire off a couple more tweets or texts. I think uh, that that's done for your net. Your your nightmare is over. <laughs> I think last year's villains were it was Max when he first declined coming back. 
And then yes. maybe a little Syndergaard when he started getting a little snarky with us. Oh, the no-hitter doesn't count. It's like, <laughs> did that one count on the World Series? No, yeah, we're going to seat for that one. <laughs> and then maybe a little of Stroman for some reasons. Mets fans are not huge Marcus Stroman fans at all. So that could be another mm-hmm. potential villain as well. Um, but yeah, definitely some interesting takes on former Mets starting pitchers. I guess we had a couple fun rapid-fire questions as not about the Mets roster, but just Mets lore in general that I know as a huge Mets fan, you definitely have some fun answers for us. So I think the first one we had was your favorite and also least favorite Met player that you have had in your Met fandom. Okay. Favorite is easy. That's David Wright. I think mm-hmm. well, that's probably a very common answer just because the guy was basically like, he was like the boy next door and every story I've heard about him from fans, from people that work with the team, anyone was just like, that was just the nicest guy. He's even nicer than you heard. And I've heard the only the nicest things about him. I invited him to my wedding. I have it right over here. I sent an invitation to him and he sent me back like uh sorry, can't make it. And he signed it. And I was like, I, I never in a million years <laughs> thought I was going to get a return. So that, that kind of put him over the top least favorite met. Now we're going to a very different side <laughs> of my brain, like the Jason Bay side that we were just talking about. Um, man, I'm just thinking of, like the guy who always comes into my 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 brain, and he wasn't even as around as long as I think, but he's a very common person for people like me that were my age in 06, is Aaron Heilman. I think his <laughs> name and his face just uh, really drove us all crazy. So I had a I had a real hatred in my heart for Jeremy Burnett's just from the second time he came around, Sedano second time around. But the thing is, like Sedano was good the first time. I loved him. Uh Kenny Rogers, because that 99 series killed me. I think I'm gonna have to go with Aaron Heilman, though. He he's just he's always the first name that pops in my head whenever people say least favorite met. I like it. Mine is Mike Pelfrey. Just throwing it out there. Every time, <laughs> I went to, every time I went to the ballpark, if my dad and I had a running joke. If we saw that Pelfrey was pitching, we wouldn't go to the game that day because we knew he was going to lose whenever we were in the ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yup. A uh, big Pelf. I was like so convinced that he was going to be that dude and like having that kind of pedigree and just never came through. He had the mouth guard in. I remember <laughs> he started pitching well and then like his psychiatrist died and then everything just unraveled. It's like, like a movie it was craziness so i think palfrey is a fair answer as well like those are the guys that hurt more is the guys that come up in your system you hear they're going to be good him and heilman and then they both just drove you crazy their entire careers i think he's part of that history where it was like a bunch of like six or seven consecutive years with different opening day starters and you just go back and look it was like johan started one but then he got hurt so we went Jonathan Neese was in there. Dylan oh, G God. got an opening day. Pelfrey got an opening day. I was like, can we get some consistency? And obviously, Jake hopefully is going to continue to have that streak going. Yeah, Tyler McGill last year, right? It's, <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. And Pelfrey, like you can't forget, Pelfrey gave up a home run in the first at bat in City Build <laughs> history, like the first pitch, right? So it's mm-hmm. like you cannot make it up. So, uh, yeah, I think Big Pelf is a fair answer. <laughs> All right, and our our second question, and maybe our last, Dylan, let me correct me if I'm wrong, but I, a few months ago, did a opening, or sorry, a city field favorite food and least favorite food episode, and I'm wondering what your go-to is, like, normal, normal will say Thursday night game, you're walking into city field, what are you making a beeline for? Okay, so... 
I've had the Pat Lafrida steak. I had it a couple times last year. I, I got tickets to opening day and I got them like a, a buddy got them. So I got them for free. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to treat myself to the steak because I'm not paying for the tickets, obviously. So the steak is very good. Shake Shack is like almost it's like Shake Shack is like getting McDonald's <laughs> at this point. It's everywhere. You know what I mean? And it's it, it, when part of your appeal is you have to wait in line for it. That is not <laughs> my style. I will say the rice balls, the Arantini balls in uh, like right center. Right center. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> However, my answer and I don't know if this is kind of agreed with. I think I had a couple people hating on it. I got the um, I don't know what's it's like the Queen's Chicken Company or something like that in center field and they have the general sales chicken tenders and it comes with uh like it's like tater tots but they're filled with cheese instead of potato they're like the cheese curds that was unbelievable that bucket so i guess that would be my answer it's not something i would get every time but it's something that i'll i'll uh, like that is probably my favorite food that's specific to city field i also think two other food takes for you because i i love my food as you guys can tell one the soft pretzel in just any stadium arena is the most underrated. It's usually like a couple bucks cheaper than it should be. Feeds you well, always tastes good. It's hard to screw that up. And then ice cream out of a batting helmet tastes about 30% better than just out of a regular cup. So I always try to get the, uh, the batting helmet. My kids actually, I took them to their first, uh, their first game since probably the pandemic. And I was like, I was, we had to wait in a line forever just to get it out of a helmet. And I was like, you mm. guys have to eat this out of a helmet. So uh, those are probably my two least favorite is tough. I, I mean, it's like, I don't really, um, I feel like at this point, everything's so specialized. All the bad stuff goes to, uh, I'll give you one more, the nacho cheese. There was a nacho helmet. I don't know if it's still there, but when I had season tickets at city field, when it first opened, that was one of my go-tos was the nacho helmet. And we were, our section was right by a sausage and peppers and just smelling that every time we came in. Oh, so good. <laughs> so good. I'll, I'll agree with you on the soft pretzel. That one, that one didn't make it on the list, but I know like here at ND, Walk into uh, walk into Joyce Arena for a basketball game. First stop is that soft pretzel, and then I hit my yes. Sure. I love sure. it. Potter, what's the one where it's like it's the I don't know how to describe. It. It's like the waffle cone with the oh yeah, waffles, waffles. That was a new That's find. A, my dad and I, my dad and I went for like might have been an opening day or a Subway Series game. Like it was just packed in there. But I waited online. My dad's like, you have to go get this. He's sitting at the seats, you know, enjoying the game. And me, three innings later, I come back like a <laughs> schmuck with the uh, with the waffles. But it was definitely worth it. Awesome. Well, <laughs> full circle. We're hoping for a great off season with the New York Mets. Thank, thank you so much, Clem, for joining us. Obviously, we loved all the laughs, the fun, the insight. Now we got to go get the Grom. We got Diaz in. That's step one. Maybe we go get your boy Trey Turner. But it's definitely going to be a fun off season. Although the problem is now going to be we're expecting a lot. Yeah, a different I, mindset. <laughs> I I think we should. I think we should though. I, I think the way this season ended, we were all obviously bummed, and I don't think anyone's going to be more bummed than, than Steve Cohen, who I think was trying to starting to feel himself a little. He went <laughs> out for the Milwaukee when they clinched. He was down in Atlanta in case they clinched down there. And I think he's like, we're doing whatever's like. You get that little taste of success with a hundred and one win season and being like a god to New Yorkers who didn't know you existed a couple of years ago. I think he's going to deliver for us. Uh, but it's nice just to have expectations again. Again, I'm 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 older than you guys are, and I remember like when Steve Phillips was. GM and it was like oh we're going on a shopping spree now and we're going on that like on steroids so uh 
hopefully we'll we'll get at least one of the big names out there, if not multiple. And most importantly, bring my sweet Jacob back home. It's where he belongs. I can't wait for the Steve Cohen tweet that announces the Jacob deGrom <laughs> yes. signing because you know that's somehow going to happen. He's going to be one to break the news instead of Martino Decomo or anyone like that. It'll be a Steve oh. Cohen, like I brought him back or something. He's back. Something, something oh. clever that's going to break the internet. Imagine if he's like... Hey, at City Field, play simple, man. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's just his way of saying that he's he's bringing Jacob to Gromack. That'd be when he said, uh, "Sound the trumpets" or something. After yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I love that I have an owner that'll just tweet something like that. Like <laughs> my idiot ass tweeted the same exact thing. Basically, <laughs> I love that man so much. So uh, we're all in this together, boys. It was a, it was a rough end of the season, but just remember all the good that basically from November of last year all the way until that awful month of October. There was a lot, the whole lot of good that went on there. So uh, keep your heads up, Mets fans. We're going to be all right. It is a good time to be a Mets fan, which is something we haven't said for a long time. But obviously, thank you so much for joining us for Dylan, James, Matt, and of course, Clem, the side is retired.